if you have a Bible with you, I want you to find the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter number 12. Luke chapter 12. Today is the third week, final week in our uh, series of messages. We've been using the phrase, king of my heart, king of my heart. And king of my heart is priority language, isn't it? This is, it, it is who's first, who matters the most. This is what we're talking about. And, and, and the Bible talks a lot about our hearts, uh, and, and we're not talking about the physical organ. I got something on my iPad. It's going to drive me nuts, so just give me a second. All right, there. I didn't spit on it, but I maybe should have. Uh, but the Bible talks so much about our hearts uh, over and over again. In Proverbs chapter 4, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. it. The idea is there is a battle that is happening on, on our insides all of the time, over our hearts. Uh, and we are to guard that because everything we do and everything we have flows out of this, flows out of our heart. And listen, there are a, there are a whole lot of churchy people who are doing churchy things, going to church, giving money doing good deeds and all that type of stuff. But like scripturally, this is all way more about our hearts than anything that you do or don't do. Uh, and we've looked at some of the things that Jesus said. He says harsh things when it comes to this topic. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Uh, and, and I'll just go out on a little bit of a limb here. And I think you know this to be true as well. There are a lot of people a lot of American Christians giving all sorts of lip service here, saying the right things, doing the right things, but deep down their hearts are far from God. Would you agree? Come on. And, and, and I don't want that to be me. I, I, don't, I don't want, like that's not how I want to live. I, I want my life to matter. Uh, I want my life to be different. I don't want to just live in spiritual complacency like so many around us in different ways. And so I've just been asking myself the questions like, what are the specific things that I need to be guarding my heart from? Because the Bible says guard your heart, but guard your heart from what? And last week we took something that Jesus said and we started answering this question uh, because we saw the number one competitor for our hearts. And we looked at that last week, and he just he, he said this in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Like, there cannot be two kings of your life. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you were here last week, we talked about how the biggest competitor for our hearts is our stuff. It's our money. And how if God is... is how God is not king of our hearts if he's not first in our finances. And that was a hard sermon for me. Like I, I looked at some things again and again in my life when it comes to that. In fact, Billy Graham once said, give me five minutes with a person's checkbook and I'll tell you where their heart is. It's that simple. And we talked about this beautiful principle, at least that's the word I use, this beautiful principle called the tithe that God set up to help to help the Jewish temple do what it was supposed to do back in the day, to be a place of worship, help those in need, a place of sanctuary in their culture. God set up the idea of tithing for that, but he also sets up this idea of the tithe as a tangible way for the people to keep him first in the number one competitor in their lives. A tangible way for us to do that. 
Uh, and tithing kind of gets a bad rap in the American church, but I'm telling you, it is a beautiful, life-transforming principle that, that it has changed my family for the good in so many ways. And so if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to find that message on our website. If you're interested in the topic of tithing and someone's like, I am not going to watch that, okay? But um, it really is a powerful thing. Uh, and you can watch that. Or we have a podcast, I've been told. Some of you listen to our podcast, Apple and Android, and I don't understand uh, how that even works. But it's set up, and we have that. So we're cool like that. Okay, this morning is week number three of our series, but it's part number two of our conversation about money and our hearts. Because again and again, we're seeing Jesus say some of the most difficult, the harshest things you could ever imagine. And he talks about it in this in, in, in this context, in this topic right here. Uh, and so that's enough of an introduction. Turn to your neighbor and say, this guy has the longest introductions I've ever heard of anyone in my life. Just get to it already. Come on. Okay, uh, and so I want to invite you to stand with me all over this place, and let's begin by reading this passage of Scripture. Uh, and as you read this, and I read this earlier this week, and, and my thought is and my hope is that you read this when we read it right now, and you're going to think, you're going to think to yourself, what distinct did I just read? What just happened there? Okay, and so here we go. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse number 13. Here's what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, you will, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Let's pray and go home. Uh, God, we really do just invite you into this moment, and we need your help. We, we need your help as we navigate through this. And many of us, our, our response is to put up a wall, to, to put up our defense when we start topics and conversations like this. And I just pray that we would humbly approach your word today, asking the question, what do you have for me, God? And so challenge us, change us, move us, help me. God, I, I do pray all of that in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Give somebody a high five and have a seat. <coughs> all right. All right. Well, I want to start with an illustration, and if you've, if you've been around this church for a decade or something, um, you, you possibly will remember this before, because I've used this one other time, uh, but essentially, essentially there are five things that we can do with our money, and go ahead and put that slide up for me. We can spend, we can pay bills or repay debt or however you want to word that. You pay taxes, we save, and we give, Okay. 
Uh, and so we spend our money. You understand that? You buy groceries, you buy clothes, you buy toys for the kids, you buy toys for you, all right? Uh, we, we can pay bills, uh, pay the electric bill, pay the phone bill, uh, pay for things that we bought that we couldn't necessarily afford at that time, and I don't even mean that in a bad way, things like our mortgage payment, uh, car payments, credit card payments, that type of stuff. Then we can pay taxes, and we're not going to talk that much about that, but uh, then we can save money. Uh, to a savings account, retirement, college fund, investments, whatever you want to call that, and then we can give. We can give to a charity or to a church, uh, to somebody else. Uh, these are basically the five things that, that you, that I can do with our money. And essentially, in America, this is kind of the order that we, that we handle our finances in. And, and you could argue that the first three kind of get flip-flopped, and, and it really, for the sake of today, it really doesn't matter at all. But let me go through this list one more time and kind of put a little spin on it. Uh, let's kind of add to the list who benefits from each one of these. And so go to that next slide here for me. Okay, spend, that would be me, okay? Or, or we'll, we'll also include the people that I love, in me, okay? Uh, and so they fit inside of that. Spend would be me. Pay bills. I know it doesn't always feel like me, but when you pay, when you pay your bills, it's benefiting you in, in, in whatever way that is. Pay taxes. We'll call that America, okay? Saving, that would be me. And, and giving, that would be, we're going to use the phrase, God and other people. Me, me, America, me, and God and other people with that. The problem with this right here from a Christian perspective is that essentially it puts God and other people last on the list. Uh, and essentially God and others kind of get what's left over is the way that we'll word that. If I haven't spent it all, if I don't owe it all, if the government doesn't take it all, if I don't save it for myself for later, then any leftover God and others get what's left over. And we still will often pray and ask God to help take care of us in this area. But the reality, this is kind of what we sound like when we pray this way, Heavenly Father, in light of this, help me with my finances. Help me close the sale. Help my business to grow. Help me sell the house. Help get my kids through college. I desperately need you and want you to be involved, but you just need to know you're always going to be number five. All right, buckle up. Okay? A few moments ago, we read this story uh, from the life of Jesus where money and stuff come up. It's a harsh story, a uh, difficult story. Here's the context. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. There's a massive crowd. In, in fact, people everywhere you look. Uh, the Bible at one point in this season of Jesus' life actually uses the word thousands to talk about the crowd of people that is with him, that is following him. And Jesus is teaching this crowd of people. They're all listening. And, and I don't know how they all heard or how this, what this would have even looked like in that way. But some guy in the crowd just kind of raises his hand right in the middle of Jesus' little talk here. Uh, and in that moment, Jesus stops and gives this man his attention. And this guy has one shot to ask Jesus anything, to say anything he wants to Jesus. He's got one moment here. This is his moment of glory, and here's what he does. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, 
tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Can you picture the moment here? Thousand people, massive crowd. Guy lifts his hand, says, Jesus, can you tell my brother to give me what is rightfully mine? Can you tell him that I deserve half of the inheritance? Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, now obviously, this man and his family have lost their father, uh, and it sounds like the family is kind of falling apart, and money is kind of an issue with this. And by the way, as a pastor, I see this exact thing happen way too often. When, when dad dies and money is involved, it's amazing how often families fall apart. And... and it shouldn't be like this. Dad has worked his entire life and, and, and saved and done things right, and then he passes away, and things just fall apart. In fact, uh, this is not in my notes, but I'm, I'm kind of in the beginning stages of planning something where we want to provide some sort of a service for you uh, to help your legacy pass on in a healthy way. And it's more than just having a will done and that type of stuff. There are some very practical things that I see because we deal with people who pass away. And so look for that in the future. We're going to do something like that, okay? All right. Uh, Verse number 14, though, Jesus just responds, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. And verse 14, Jesus replies, man, who, who appointed me as like judge over you? It's an interesting thing for Jesus to say. We're going to move on, though. And then in front of everybody, this guy becomes an illustration in front of the crowd. Rough moment for this guy. And Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, don't miss the language that Jesus uses here because he's using some king of my heart type of stuff. All right? This is guard your heart stuff. Do you hear that? Like, watch out, be on your guard against all sorts of greed, all different kinds of greed. And greed would be a heart issue. We've talked about that. But think about this line right here, all different kinds of greed. Now, that's an interesting line for me. As I was reading this this week, typically I think of greed as just sort of a singular thing. Either we have a greedy person or a not greedy person. And it becomes easy for us to just kind of say, yeah, I know greedy people and I'm really not them, okay? And so we can throw this entire story out the window. But we read this here and Jesus, like he's giving language to attack the money issue of the heart. Uh, And and he uses this for different kinds of greed. Uh, Like the idea that greed comes at us in different ways, at different times, Um, different things. There are different ways that greed attacks the human heart. And it's not just yes or no when it comes to is a person struggle, do they struggle with greed? It really is where and how and when. Are you with me? So, so far, what what I'm declaring to you is that Every single one of us in this place, at different seasons of your life, greed is and will be an issue. It will. And in America, this is multiplied in different ways because of the culture that we have grown up in. Guard your heart against all kinds of greed. And now Jesus then does what he often does, and that is that he tells a story. And I'm going to kind of tell the story, uh, but we'll put the scripture on the screen so you can kind of follow along if you want as well. But Jesus just says to the crowd, he says, there's a rich man and this man had this amazing harvest. 
And the rich man sat down and he thought to himself, what am I going to do? I have so much stuff and I don't have anywhere to store it. I've got a problem here. Uh, And he says to himself, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And then I'll put all of this extra stuff, this extra crop into my new bigger barns. And you know what? I'll have enough grain where I'll just be able to take life easy. And I'll eat and I'll drink and I'll be merry because I have more than I ever need. And Jesus here is telling this story. He's making this story up. This isn't a true story. Okay, but he's setting up his audience here and 100% on purpose, he's telling the story in the way that he tells it. And if you're in the crowd that day and you're listening to the story so far, at this point you're thinking, wow, that'd be nice. That sounds amazing. Just take life easy, have more than I need, just be able to chill and, and, and relax and retire. That sounds fantastic. And if I didn't know what was coming next, because I know the story, and if I didn't know that Jesus was setting everybody up here just to hit him over the head with a two by four, I would hear this story so far and I would think to myself, this is fantastic. This is what it's about. You have an abundance, so what should you do? You go bigger. You build a bigger home, you build a bigger garage. I have the money. Sounds like the perfect ending to an amazing life. To me, retire take life easy. This is a perfect ending and a reward for a life of hard work. Doesn't that sound nice? Be honest with me. Come on. This sounds nice. It sounds nice. Some of you are hesitant, to, but then Jesus just sort of flips out. The rich man had more than he needed, so he adds and builds bigger barns. He says, I'm going to just sit back and retire and eat and drink and travel and be merry, and I'm going to play golf. He said that. I think it's in there. Okay. Verse 20. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And maybe you are just a little more spiritual than I am, but I have a hard time reconciling what's going on here. At the surface, I'm really not sure how to respond because as I look at this man and what he did, it pretty much just looks like the American dream. It, it looks like what we're, what we're supposed to do. We work hard. We build wealth. We, 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 we make wise decisions. We invest in the right ways, all with this idea of at some point, I'm going to come to the end of all of this work, and I'm going to be able to just have the rest of my life where I can retire and relax and have everything that I need, and I'm going to travel, and I'm going to go fishing, and I'm going to play golf. And if my dad was here right now, and he's not because he's in Hawaii, he would, I would be looking right at him and saying, I just described you. Hope he's watching right now <laughs> from Hawaii. It's not fair. But, but seriously, think about this. Jesus, are you saying it's not okay to have wealth, to have more than we need? Jesus, are you against retirement plans? I mean, come on. Because it looks like this guy is being punished by God for being wealthy and enjoying retirement. You fool, this very night, 
your life will be demanded from you. And here's where, as Americans, we get to Scripture like this, and we're quickly just, just kind of throw them off. But understand, Jesus tells this story on purpose. He's doing something here. And in our conversation about Jesus being king of our heart, this story is 100% worth our attention. So let, let's back up a little bit here and go back to the beginning and ask ourselves the question, what was it that sort of set Jesus off to the point where he tells that story in the way that he does and takes it to that extreme? Okay, the story starts with this man from the crowd saying, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my inheritance, to split the inheritance with me. Jesus is teaching all of these people about the kingdom of God, and he's interrupted by this blatant, self-centered, even though the man might be right, self-centered, Jesus, help me with my problem. Help me to get what I deserve. Help me to get what's rightfully mine. And, the, and this question, or maybe you could even just say this attitude, causes Jesus to respond the way that he does and tell the story the way that he tells it. So understand, this story is actually and really not about retirement. It never really was. In fact, the story is not really about wealth. Really, really. Uh, we are again faced with the reality that is the human heart. And that is not just a throw this whole story out because that's not an issue for me type of thing. We are to guard our hearts against all different kinds of greed. Jesus has encompassed everybody into this here and has said, you all, all y'all, y'all, you have an issue. If you are a person, you have an issue with this thing right here. See, the issue for this fictitious wealthy man in this story is not that he stored up things for himself, but that he stored up things for himself with little to no thought of God. Do you hear the difference? Do you hear the difference? In the end of the story, like, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is not... This is not, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, period. It's this is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves, but are not rich towards God. And so uh, write this down. We could just, we could kind of summarize this. A foolish person accumulates wealth only to enrich themselves and those they love with little to no concern for God or other people. A foolish person accumulates wealth only to enrich themselves and those they love with little or no concern for God and other people. And some of us, we read this and we think, well, I'm not accumulating a whole lot of wealth right now. And some of us are like, I'm 17 years old. This doesn't, okay. But, but I think that we could replace accumulates wealth very easily with the word spends. And I feel comfortable doing that scripturally a foolish person spends only to enrich themselves and those they love with little to no concern over other people. See, listen here. It, this is not a message against accumulating wealth. In fact, scripturally, I don't think you can really make that case. But 
If we are accumulating wealth, if we are spending our money only to enrich ourselves and the people that we love with no care and no concern or little care and little concern for God and other people, like then God would call you a fool. You hear that word? God will call you a fool. But again and again, none of this is really to be done because of guilt or emotional stuff, this conversation is 100% every piece and every part about our hearts is what this is. It's about your heart. Going back to our illustration with the list of five things, put that on the screen here for me. Okay, I think that we could look at it through the lens here that we're talking about. This is how a foolish person handles their money in the words of Jesus. A foolish person does it this way. God is number five on the list. Me, me, America, and I know you could put those in whatever order you want on the top, okay? Me, me, America, me, and then God, number five. And I'm just telling you that this is normal. This is the way we think. We build our life around the amount of money that we make. And we look at this and we say, okay, so I can afford this level of house, and we go to the banker, and they even help us with this, and all the, I can afford to buy this, and we go to the bank, and we say, I, I, I can afford to have a car payment like this, and I should probably put some money aside, because my budget here, I've also got to pay my bills, and I got the water bill, and my kids need shoes for basketball, and all of this stuff, and I do this, and then we get to the end of our budget, and we say, okay, oh yeah, I should probably try to give. And maybe we don't even ask that question, but it's what is left over is the way we handle our money in America. God and other people get the leftovers if there are any. And God just tells us, Jesus tells us the story right here and and God just says it's a foolish way to do things. Not just a foolish way to do things. He says, you are a fool. Like deep down, you're a fool and this is normal. And we may not say it this way or think it this way, but this is America. It's just not very Bible. It's not. And if you go to a financial advisor, they can attempt to get you to move number four higher on the list. And by the way, do that. They'll help you save and invest and prepare for the future and teach you to prioritize your future over now, which is a great thing to do. I do that. Do that. Prioritize your future over now when it comes to your finances. But no matter how we cut it, God and others just seem to end up number five. Number five, getting the leftovers, getting what's left if there are any. But understand this. I want to make this clear. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the words of Jesus, even as he speaks harshly on money in all these different ways, does he ever say you need to give more to God than you spend on yourself. That's not, the the issue here, it's never really about the amount, except for the word tithe, which we talked about, okay? Uh, But it's 100% about the order. Do you hear what I'm saying here? It's not even the amount, it's not, it's not that you have to give more to God than you spend on yourself. That, that, There's none of, none of us in here that are doing that. It's not about the amount as much as it is about the order. Again, it comes back to our hearts. So we must look at this list and we must rethink 
this list. And we can no longer, if we want to truly have Jesus king of our hearts and want to serve him, we can no longer just follow what everybody else is doing. We must organize our finances around God. Foolish people do this. Foolish people accumulate wealth uh, and spend it on themselves. Foolish people and the people that they love with little or no concern for God. So we must take this list and we must take number five and move it to number one. It must, it must happen. Jesus would say this again and again, and I don't care what order you put the other four in right now. That's, that's not for this conversation, okay? It does not matter. What matters is what is number one. It matters what is your priority. That, that, that's what this is. We learn to invest in God's kingdom first and our kingdom second. This is what sincere followers of Jesus strive to do. It's about priority. It's about who is number one. And as a follower of Jesus, he must be number one. Okay, so let's just get practical here for three minutes. Will anyone give me three minutes? Okay, someone give me three minutes. All right, one, two, so three, six, nine. That was dumb. Just trying to get you to smile for a moment. Okay, let's get practical for a moment. Go ahead and put that next slide up here for me. Okay, one, two, and three. We're just going to talk through them really fast. Number one, tithe. We talked about this lengthy last week. Uh, so this is the one-minute version of it today. Uh, tithing is this biblical principle that God set up to make him first and to keep him first. The word tithe is just the word tenth. Uh, that's all that that is. It is 10%. Uh, tithing is the biblical principle of giving the first 10% of your income back to him. And tithing is God's plan for this area of our life. And we do this for two reasons, because as followers of Christ, we desire for God's kingdom to grow, for God's kingdom to be built up, and for the church to thrive, and for people to be helped. But we also do this for a second reason, because we understand that the human heart is bent towards all kinds of greed and uh, when it comes to money, we are tempted to store up things for ourselves again and again and again and forget about God. And so financially keeping God first really does scripturally begin with this word called the tithe. Okay, number two uh, is just we have to learn to say no to ourselves. And then I put in parentheses and your kids. Uh, Quite simply, you cannot keep God number one in this area if you cannot ever say no to yourself. And, you, and I, I think some of us have felt that thing where you, where you see something, you hear about something, and it almost becomes an obsession for you. And even though it's not always the wisest decision, you go eventually end up getting it, don't we? Or maybe you can relate, whatever that looks like and whatever that means. At some point, you should be saying no you should be saying no to yourself. And, and you're not doing your children any favors by giving them everything they could ever dream of by the time they're 15. That it is not a scriptural way to raise your children. Some of us grew up with nothing and, you, and from the very beginning of having kids, you said, you've said, told yourself, I don't want my kids to have to go through what I went through because I didn't have anything. Come on, if they can't walk through their, their room without stepping on toys, we've got an issue here. Like, it is not healthy for kids to grow up with everything that they ever dreamed of every single moment. It is a bad thing. And we must learn to say no. That was just a weird little soapbox, and maybe that was for me. Uh, but, but 
sincerely, it's not a good thing. Okay, let's fight this heart battle, and part of that is saying no. And number three, which is a beautiful thing that has just been revolutionary to me personally, learn to pray about giving above and beyond the tithe. And we've talked a lot about prayer over the past month or two. Uh, And I've heard again and again, by the way, just how revolutionary some of this prayer conversation has been for some of us. And we, we are constantly hearing stories of people who are praying out loud for people and amazing things are happening and just incredible things are happening behind the scenes in this topic of prayer. But another, another step forward in the area of prayer for, for many of us is to learn to pray when it comes to our giving. To learn to pray. And, and to start by saying, God, show me opportunities today, today to give in different ways and watch as God leads and speaks and shows. And then listen, when there are opportunities that are presented to you, an example would be the Christmas offering. And don't take this the wrong way, okay? Because this is not about me trying to get a big offering at all. It sincerely is not. But it's something so personal to me that when we learn to actually pray about it, because most of us, the giving that we do, actually do, comes from our emotions, where we are moved. This is why for some of us, you can watch a commercial with Sarah McLaughlin or whatever her name is about animals and puppies who are dying or whatever else, and you send money in. It's because emotionally we are moved and we respond because our emotions are powerful. But if we can learn to actually take a step back and pray, now we become much more strategic. And I'll just tell you this, by the way, and so be careful if you start doing this. God's never told me no when I pray about, like, if I pray about the Christmas offering and I say, God, do you, want, do you want me to give to this, to this Christmas offering to further your kingdom? God has never said no. So be careful with that. Every time my heart feels, yes, I should do this. And it's, it can really be a change for you if you actually tend, spend time praying and just simply asking God, God, I have this thing, this this Christmas offering is coming up. What would you, would you like me to do something this? What would you like me to do? And just begin to follow your heart of where God leads with that. I'm telling you, taking time to pray about giving moves God and others to the top of this list. So we tithe. It's God's biblical principle. And we don't need to talk about this anymore, but the tithe scripturally is not even giving. The tithe is like obedience. It's returning to God what is already his is the definition in a way of tithe. But then we look from there and we learn to say no to ourselves. Not every time, but there should be sometimes. And then we begin to pray and say, God, where would you have me give? And show me how to do that. It's a beautiful thing, taking a next step and actually talking to God. And then we begin to see God move up on the list and we begin to guard our hearts against all types of greed. Will you please stand with me all over this place? Music team, please come. You can take a deep breath. Your two weeks of sermons on money has come to a close. <laughs> but many of us, many of us here and many of us watching behind a screen even in this moment 
as soon as we talk about this topic of money, it's like we get defensive. You ever, you ever had a little spat with your, with your spouse and for some reason you find yourself in this crazy posture of like defense and you take a step back actually an hour later, someone's like, nope, not me. That's just from the fourth row, okay? But you take, you take a step back and like an hour later, you're like, why in the world did I respond like that? Why, why did I just kind of lash out about something that really was not a big deal? And we find our hearts and ourselves just in this posture of like protecting and defense. And, and some of us, when we have conversations about difficult things, this is what happens. But I have seen some of the coolest things with this people who are just sincerely hungry for more of God and for him to be first in their lives. And I sit down with people this week, even, and, and, they, and they ask and they say, how can, how can, I, how can I put my business, take my business and put God first in that? How can I do that from a financial perspective? Asking that question. And how, how can I help my kids to learn how to do this from an early age? Because it's a lot easier to start doing this than it is to change and do it. Because a whole lot of us in this place, like, like your budget, you're going, I don't know how I could ever do any of this type of stuff. And it's because, it's because as Americans, we max out everything that we do. And I have people that come up to me and they say, I'm excited someday for when I make more money because then I'll be able to give. And I say back to him, that's a great thing in theory, but when you make more money, you're gonna spend more money. And you're not gonna have more money to give. It's a hard thing where you begin to prioritize this in a whole different way. Teenagers, start doing this now. And for the rest of your life, watch it happen. It's beautiful. Parents, help your kids move in this direction. Teach them, when you give them a $5 allowance, have them bring 50 cents of it to church and bring it upstairs where they take a little offering and watch as they take that and put that in the offering, their own money that they earned and they are now prioritizing. It sounds beautiful when you say it like that, doesn't it? What does it look like for you to take a step in this direction? God, I pray that you would help us I pray, God, that you would teach us. And I pray for some of us in this place who are maybe afraid of what this may mean to them. God, I pray that they would see you work in ways like they have never experienced it before. I pray that they would see you provide and see you do your thing, God, as we are obedient as we begin to prioritize you as in a tan as in tangible ways god we put you first in this area god i pray that we would learn how to guard ourselves and guard our hearts from all different kinds of greed that is seeping in and attacking and working god help us to again and again just make this decision that you are our priority. You are King. You are Lord of our lives. So God, we just pray that you would work and move 
challenge and change. Help me, God, I pray. We love you in your name. We pray. One final thing before we're done. Uh, every week, we just want to give people an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus. For some of us, you're like, man, we do this all the time. It is just, if there is one person in here, and this is their moment, it's worth our three minutes. And so just for no one no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection. If you're here today and you know that today is your day to respond to Jesus, maybe you've been coming here a while, maybe this is your first time here, but you know, you know you are not right with God. God sent his son Jesus to die for you and if you'll put your trust in him, if you'll say yes to him, then you can be forgiven and you can be free you can be reconciled with God. You can be saved is the words of the Bible. And if you're here today with no one looking around and you're saying, today is my day, I want to respond to the message of Jesus in my life. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. If you're watching behind a screen right now, this is a heart decision that you can make. You don't have to be in a church to do this. Anyone at all that would just say, this is my moment, this is my day. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Church, let's just pray together. Everyone in this place, just pray this prayer. These aren't magic words. It's a heart thing, but let's just pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my heart. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins changed my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together.